Hello and welcome to Asia Inscripted. I'm Emily and this is the U.S. Asia Institute's summer podcast series where we cover key stories of the day with diverse speakers with first-hand knowledge of Asia. This summer's podcast series will focus on topics related to the Association of Southeast Asian Nations or ASEAN, which is composed of 10 member states including Brunei, Cambodia, Indonesia, Laos, Malaysia, Myanmar, the Philippines, Singapore, Thailand, and Vietnam. Our guest on this episode of Asian Scripted is Mr. Subramaniam. Ramesh Subramaniam currently holds the position as Director General of the Southeast Asia Department for the Asian Development Bank, or ADB, a regional development bank that works to promote social and economic development in Asia. Under his department, he has managed over $24 billion in projects under implementation. In addition, he currently holds positions as a member of various global agendas or future councils of the World Economic Forum, or WEF, since 2012. He is also a co-chair of the ASEAN hub of the WEF Sustainable Development Investment Partnership. He started his career in 1991 in teaching and research with a teaching position at McMaster University, Canada, where he also got a PhD before becoming a research fellow on industry at University of St. Andrews in the United Kingdom and a Rockefeller Fellow at Yale University Economic Growth Center. Before we begin the episode, please be reminded that the U.S. Asia Institute is a nonpartisan, non-advocacy organization with no policy agenda. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official position of the U.S. Asia Institute. With that being said, let's move on to the discussion with Mr. Subramaniam. Welcome everyone, and thank you Mr. Subramaniam for taking the time to join us today. I'd like to start with a more general question to begin the conversation. For listeners who may be unfamiliar, could you provide an overview of the Asian Development Bank and what role the organization plays in promoting sustainable development within the ASEAN region? Thank you, first of all, Amelie, for uh, having me. Uh, It's a pleasure to be able to join you on this uh, podcast. Um, Asian Development Bank, uh, well, as the name indicates, it's uh, Asia, it's focused on Asia, and it is development and bank. So we are a bank, we are a financial institution, but focused on development. Uh, So that's our uh, DNA, the development mandate is in our uh, DNA. The bank is, uh, to be exact, uh, 57 years old. It was founded in 1966. Uh, in, In fact, the Uh, You know, the establishment process started a bit earlier in 1964, to be exact, but the bank started operations in 1966. Uh, We have uh, now operations, and I say operations, it's projects, development projects that we finance and significant amount of technical assistance that we provide to um, developing countries in Asia. We cover uh, 39 countries. Uh, and we operate in a wide range of sectors, starting with agriculture, uh, food security, natural resources, uh, from that whole complex of uh, issues to uh, all the way to uh, transport, water, and urban development. And there are many things in between, such as energy, for example, public sector management, uh, financial sector, uh, human and social development, um, and, and uh, so on. Okay, thank you for that. 
So for this episode, I was particularly interested in your bank's initiatives towards sustainable development and clean energy. And I guess my first question was, I was wondering how ASEAN's member nations have kind of reacted to these sustainable development initiatives. Is there a general enthusiasm or kind of has there been any pushback towards these initiatives? I'll start off with the last part. Um, all the countries in Asia and Pacific, and particularly given your focus on ASEAN or Southeast Asia, uh, they're all very committed to sustainable development. Uh, there is no pushback per se um, in, from any of the countries or in any of the countries. Of course, there are uh, challenges that are driven by the context that we are facing in uh, each of these countries. Uh, but otherwise, all of them are committed um, in, in all of these countries. When I say all of them, uh, I talk about the, uh, the governments of the public sector largely that we deal with, the private sector entities, the partners that we work with, uh, the entire development ecosystem, if I can put it that way, including civil society organizations that uh, form a big part of um, the, uh, the entities that we cooperate with. Uh, now, in, 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 uh, in, in terms of uh, first part on sustainable development, uh, you know, in, in a way, um, since ADB is, is uh, close to uh, 60 years, uh, we have focused on when we started our operations, obviously, in the early stages, the focus is a lot on um, poverty reduction and uh, growth, uh, because obviously countries uh, their income levels were much lower uh, than what we are looking at uh, in today's Asia and the Pacific region. Their growth challenges were significant. Access to infrastructure, significant constraints were there. Um, you know, uh, public services uh, were far behind uh, in comparison to what we are facing today. So we started with that. And in a way, you know, you can look at every uh, decade of ADB's operations. Uh, Asia, obviously, has been uh, making very good progress in uh, meeting their poverty reduction objectives and goals. And um, most of the countries have been growing uh, in a, at a very steady uh, pace. Uh, in fact, average growth, uh, GDP, real GDP growth rate in Asia has been remarkable. Uh, th there have been crises, of course, in between. But these crises, setbacks, natural disasters, unfortunately are a phenomenon in Southeast Asia, as you know. But despite all of these setbacks, the region has been, uh, well, when I say region, the Asia and the Pacific region overall, as well as Southeast Asia, they've been growing at a very steady pace of at least 6% on uh, average. Now, if you look at in the last 20 years, so the first, uh, say, uh, 20 years, uh, this is going back to ADB's uh, operations starting, um, focused on poverty reduction, that kind of continued until about, say, 2000, uh, 2000 2005, 2010. Uh, but in parallel, obviously, countries have also been focused on uh, how can they use their natural resources in a more sustainable manner? Because many countries are dependent on natural resources. Indonesia, for example, um, you can look at uh, the Greater Mekong subregion uh, in Cambodia, uh, Laos, uh, Vietnam, and so on. So all of them, obviously, uh, how do you use the existing resources um, in, a, in a smart manner uh, so that they go a long way? Uh, of course, the uh, focus on climate change and the challenges that come from climate change are felt more recently. 
but the focus on making sure that natural resources are used in a sustainable manner, they've been there for, uh, I would say, at least for the last about uh, three decades or so, two, two to three decades or so. Um, now, are there, uh, the, the question, are there any, um, uh, you know, challenges or constraints uh, that, uh, that, that we face? Um, we, we, you know, clearly uh, development is a process of um, uh, countries experimenting with uh, lots of new ideas. Um, you know, there are different growth models that are out there. Um, Asia and Pacific, uh, it's a very interesting spectrum of, uh, you know, low-income countries with their own challenges. And you've got uh, high-income countries and upper-middle-income countries, middle-income countries. So in a way, it's a, it's a spectrum. So depending on which countries you're talking about, depending on the contexts uh, that they face, um, their, their challenges are, are kind of different as well. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, we always, uh, ADB, from a development point of view, um, countries come to us because they have challenges. So we don't really look at challenges as, as problems. Uh, we look at uh, issues that countries face. And in, in a way, it's a moral responsibility as a development institution to uh, work with them in addressing those challenges. So we see them more as opportunities that are uh, facing these countries. I'll just give you one example, Amelie. Uh, you know, uh, the region is actually very, very resilient when we talk about Southeast Asia, particularly. Um, you, you know, my my uh, my heart always kind of becomes very soft when I talk about the region and the natural disasters that the region faces. The the country that uh, ADB is headquartered in, uh, the Philippines. Um, it, you know, it, unfortunately, it faces lots of typhoons every year. Uh, lots of landslides, uh, tsunamis. Luckily, they haven't had, but they've had earthquakes. Uh, so th these uh, these do pose major shocks uh, to economies, to uh, societies, to communities at large. Uh, look at Indonesia, for example. It's a country with 17,000 islands, uh, again prone to significant natural disasters. Uh, so. Uh, the, these countries, and, and then you have had economic crisis, kind of man-made uh, crisis. But despite all of these things, the countries have been very, very resilient. Uh, so in that context, when we look at the whole issue of sustainable development, um, we, you know, we, we, we look at countries uh, having done quite well, despite the challenges and the issues that they face. Uh, and uh, what we have seen also, which is actually very good about these countries, is the uh, senior officials, the policymakers, they look at a crisis as an opportunity for bringing about change. Uh, the most recent is, uh, of course, the, the pandemic, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, what started as a health crisis soon became uh, a financial crisis, and there were concerns that it may become a kind of a full-blown economic crisis. Luckily, countries are now coming out of the impact of that crisis. Um, but, you know, we, countries have taken this as an opportunity. Uh, in, in fact, uh, significant uh, education sector investments are being made to boost uh, digitization. Uh, skills, improving labor productivity has become a you know, significant opportunity, significant issue, and, and hence an opportunity. So, uh, and then climate change, uh, existential crisis uh, for the whole world, um, and, and for uh, Asia and Pacific, uh, as, as well as for, uh, you know, ASEAN, uh, clearly that is now seen as a challenge as well as an opportunity for bringing about change. 
So all countries, uh, with no exception, they're looking at uh, the post-pandemic recovery as an opportunity for uh, greening economies. Uh, and, and in fact, you know, we uh, in ADB, our president, uh, Mr. Asakawa, uh, he, he set out an ambition for ADB to be Asia's climate bank. Um, and with that, uh, we have set uh, a goal of um, achieving total commitments, climate finance commitments of uh, $100 billion by 2030. So this is going back to 2019 to 2030. We want to achieve a cumulative uh, financing support of $100 billion for climate change alone, Ameli. Let me pause there for now. You made some interesting points, and I really liked what you said about the resiliency of countries within ASEAN. I was really interested in your projects and what have been kind of your biggest successes in relation to kind of sustainable development and climate change mitigation. Well, you know, if you look at projects, I mentioned earlier, we operate in a number of sectors. So we, we have, uh, from, from ADB point of view, we have seven uh, large groups. Uh, when, when I say sectors, you know, agriculture, energy, finance, uh, human development, public sector management, transport, and uh, urban development. Given the uh, challenges that the countries face with regard to sustainable development uh, and uh, climate change in particular, we have now recently, just two weeks ago, we restructured and we are operating on a new structure. Uh, for the past 20 years, we've been operating on a previous structure. We call the new organizational approach the new operating model. And the new operating model is premised on supporting the developing countries in Asia through what we call as four shifts, four defining shifts. The first is the climate change shift. The second is private sector development shift, uh, because as a development institution, um, we, it's our goal, it's our mandate to leverage our financial resources effectively uh, to bring a lot of private capital uh, in, into these countries. The third shift is uh, solutions shift, that is providing high quality development solutions to the challenges that countries face. And then finally, the fourth one, uh, is uh, it, we call it the new ways of working shift. What we mean by that is, uh, you know, uh, the the issues that uh, countries face. Uh, no single country on its own, uh, no one entity on its own can solve all the problems. You need partnerships. You need networks. Uh, whether we talk about knowledge solutions or whether we talk about financing. Uh, you need a, an entire ecosystem of players, of actors who are involved in to come together. So that's the uh, fourth shift. What are some of the uh, nice projects? Now, in, in these sectors that we operate and in the context of the new operating model, new operating model is quite new. But if we you know, step back uh, in the last 20 years, there are many, many things that we can be proud of in, in terms of uh, the, uh, uh, what we have enabled, what we have facilitated in our developing countries. Um, Energy sector you know, is something that you wanted to focus on. Uh, if you look at energy investments, energy sector, by the way, uh, comes as the uh, second sector in terms of the volume of support ADB has provided. The first one is transport sector. Uh, because of the uh, you know, significant infrastructure investment requirements, we've invested quite heavily in transport. Uh, following that energy sector, in energy, we have uh, supported um, uh, 
generation, electricity, power generation, uh, transmission and uh, distribution investments. Uh, and, and here, if you look at uh, our, uh, our energy policy, we have a new energy policy that was approved by our board two years ago. But for the past several years, all our investments are focused on sustainable uh, opportunities. Uh, you know, for example, renewable energy shift started taking place about uh, more than 15 years ago uh, or so. Uh, we have very strict uh, environmental standards, safeguard standards. So any investments that we support need to comply with globally accepted environmental uh, and, and social safeguards. So uh, energy sector, we have a number of countries that we can look back with satisfaction uh, in, in terms of the changes that uh, we brought about. You know, you can measure it in terms of improved access to electricity. Um, and, you know, there are countries that with ADB support have reached almost a near 99%, 99.9% access to uh, electricity. There are, of course, lost mile connectivity issues, as we call them in some uh, countries in remote rural areas. Uh, but pending that, uh, many countries have done uh, well with our support. Transport sector is another uh, case in point uh, where, where we can be, uh, you know, quite proud of in, in terms of access that we have created. When we talk about roads or other types of transport investments, it's not just that physical infrastructure. It, it is the outcome of these projects. Obviously, it connects people, it connects markets, uh, it, it creates trade opportunities for countries. In that regard, Amelie, uh, one signature uh, uh, initiative of ADB is what we call as RCI, that is Regional Cooperation and Integration. Um, in, in a way, I mentioned development is in our DNA. RCI is also in our DNA. In fact, when ADB was founded, uh, the principal reason for establishing ADB was to promote regional cooperation and integration. So with that, uh, we are uh, we are a very unique institution amongst the uh, global multilateral development banks. Uh, we stand out in terms of having established uh, some of the most successful regional cooperation and integration programs all across the world, not just in Asia. Uh, for example, the Greater Mekong subregion is a program that ADB co-founded with all the uh, six participating countries. ASEAN is as old as ADB. Uh, and, and we've been working very, very closely with ASEAN in terms of promoting regional cooperation uh, opportunities. So these are some of the examples, uh, Amelie. One last thing I'll say in terms of where we can look back with satisfaction. Uh, I mentioned earlier the region faces um, uh, natural disasters. Uh, ADB has been at the forefront in terms of uh, helping countries deal with uh, the impact, uh, the devastating impact of natural disasters. Um, you know, you can go back and look at the, for example, the 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami um, or the 2013 uh, Typhoon Haiyan in the Philippines uh, or the more recent 2018 Palu earthquake in Indonesia uh, or the Pakistan earthquakes uh, in uh, 2007, 2006, 2007, the devastating Pakistan floods more recently. Um, all of these, uh, we've been at the forefront in uh, helping countries. Now, um, one, one aspect of it is uh, to assist countries after the, uh, these devastating uh, you know, disasters have uh, happened. But another aspect is also to work with them uh, in, in terms of preventing, in terms of, uh, you know, that's where the adaptation to climate change, boosting resilience comes in. 
And that is an area where we've been investing, where we've been working with countries, uh, whether it's in terms of policy uh, and, and enabling institutional framework, as well as putting in place uh, infrastructure uh, investments, uh, in, uh, you know, infrastructure uh, assets, uh, Amelie. Thank you so much for the response. And it seems like ADB just has so many projects and it, it really shows like a strong commitment towards sustainable development. I guess I just wanted to wrap up our discussion by asking what the long-term goals and priorities ADB is setting for promoting sustainable development and how do you envision the future of clean energy among ASEAN's countries? Great. Uh, so we have a, a strategy or strategic framework called um, Strategy 2030. Um, so this strategy was endorsed by our board a few years back. Uh, it is focused on helping countries uh, achieve inclusive growth and development, sustainable growth, uh, resilient growth, uh, as well as prosperity uh, through uh, ADB intervention. So that's kind of the overall strategic framework. Um, I mentioned earlier the new operating model that we've just embarked on and the four shifts that we talked about. What is going to be defining our support to uh, the developing member countries in Asia and the Pacific uh, would be the first one, the climate change shift. Uh, that is number one priority for us uh, in, in the 100 billion uh, commitment that I mentioned. We have a number of very exciting initiatives that uh, we have um, designed. Um, one is a very innovative facility called the, uh, it's, it's actually called the Innovative Finance Facility uh, for Climate Action in Asia and the Pacific. Uh, the second is the Energy Transition Mechanism. Uh, in fact, EPM, this was born in Southeast Asia. Uh, with focus initially on Indonesia uh, and with the Philippines and Vietnam participating. Uh, this facility or the mechanism EPM uh, aims to identify coal-fired power plants um, and retire them ahead of time. Uh, you know, if you look at uh, greenhouse gas emissions, um, unfortunately, uh, Asia and the uh, Pacific account for more than 50% of the global GHG emissions. ASEAN countries account for 8% uh, of the global GHG emissions. So clearly, um, you know, the region needs to start addressing uh, these, um, uh, th these uh, challenges. So our support, uh, our assistance is going to be uh, focused significantly on climate change. So that is number one. And number two is uh, facilitating private sector development. How can we uh, enhance opportunities to attract private capital? Uh, because here in this context, Amelie, as you know, uh, even before the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, the, well, the entire world, uh, but Asia and the Pacific is no exception to that, the distance to sustainable development goals was actually becoming, unfortunately, longer and longer. Uh, in fact, there have been concerns, and those concerns have now become heightened, that countries, that the world will not be able to meet the goals by 2030. In fact, they may need another 30 years uh, to uh, meet the goals. So in that context, helping countries meet sustainable development goals is a top priority for us. Uh, so all our operations, we always look at um, how can we, what are the uh, SDGs that are relevant in a particular sector operation in, in uh, say, Indonesia, Philippines, or uh, Cambodia, 
uh, or uh, you know if if you look at outside of southeast asia in india bangladesh pakistan and central asia pacific island countries are very very important for us uh, you know the uh, because that is a region that faces huge challenges from uh, climate change uh, it's it's an existential threat for them and and we have also uh, a very clear need to focus on what we call as uh, sids uh, countries that is a small island developing states uh, so fragility and uh, conflict affected uh, areas are also very very important for us so uh, again just to summarize uh, there are many many focus areas but uh, climate shift and uh, the private sector development shifts are going to be uh, very very uh, critical amali thank you so much for your response those are all the questions i have for you today but thank you so much for your time and for speaking with me this has been a really interesting and insightful conversation thank you so much amali for having me and having adb in this talk thanks for listening to this episode of asia unscripted you can find the U.S. Asia Institute on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. This and all of the U.S. Asia Institute's podcasts are made possible in part by the support from our sponsors, SANS, Shein, FedEx, AIG, ConocoPhillips, Fairfield Maxwell, Walmart, and others.